Welcome to episode 83 of the Dare to Dream podcast. My name is Vincent Van Patten. And I am Gregory Russell Benedict. And this is a podcast that will inspire you to take the first step on your hero's journey. And Greg, that is what we're going to be talking about today. The hero's journey made famous by Joseph Campbell. And uh, what's the book called? His book is The Hero with a Thousand Faces. It's quite dense. I keep you around. And so the hero's journey is very important to us because it's the classic story, you know, Star Wars. Uh, Luke Skywalker, he goes from the ordinary boy on that godforsaken planet. (laughs) He embarks on the journey of his life and its adventure. And it's kind of this innermost desire that, you know, we all have to to live an adventurous life that is truly exciting and meaningful and unique to each of us. Yeah. And the hero's journey is across pretty much every movie and book you've ever read. Like you mentioned Star Wars, Harry Potter, Spider-Man, The Lion King. And for me, it's really summed up in that question of, is this it? It's when you take a look at your ordinary life, what you're currently living, and you look around and you ask, isn't there more to life? That's where it starts. The ordinary world and the call to adventure. Exactly. So that's... What we're going to start with and what we're going to go through today, we're going to delve into our own origin stories, what brought us here, why we're doing this now, uh, what gives us any sort of credential to be speaking our minds to you beautiful people, and uh, where we are in the journey. And hopefully it can inspire you to take that first step on your own hero's journey, or maybe just get some clarity of, you know, maybe you're being called to something, you don't see it, maybe you know you're ready to embark, and you're feeling it, and you're afraid. Because fear is definitely a big factor in all of this. And it's all about overcoming that fear and having the adventure of your life. Yes. And another note before we jump in is that the hero's journey is iterative. So it's not like you go through it once and then you're done. And it's also really messy. I think it was, we love big messes. I think it was the episode with Dane Sanders where he mentioned that you're not on your hero's journey until everything's going wrong. There's chaos. You're in the mud. You're upside down. You're blindfolded. You can't see. That's our favorite place to be. That's that's when you know it's really beginning. There's some quote that's, if you can see your path, you're not on your path. Something along the lines of that. Right. That's a good one. All right, bud. Well, let's dive in with you first. So the ordinary world. Walk us through that. Yeah. And I think the framework or structure we're going to use here is we're going to go through the steps of the hero's journey. And both Vinny and I will each share where we were in that step, what was going on. And we are also not done. We have not completed the hero's journey. We are very much driving that bus at full speed, sometimes <laughs> not knowing where we're going. Crossing the bridge, you might you know, fall off. We'll see what happens. But we're going. And yeah, we're in this thing. We're all in this thing together. So we are the students, maybe the teacher, but mostly the student. So let's go. For me, the ordinary world was working in finance. It was wanting to be successful in private equity, just have my fancy dress shirts and my Lululemon dress pants and make money for the sake of making money. And That's where I found myself after college. I was just plugging away, working, studying for this big financial test called the CFA. And I don't know what else to share about the ordinary world, except that I was pretty unsatisfied with it from the beginning. I remember pretty much as soon as I graduated from college and started my first job, I wanted to make an impact. I really wanted to like change the world. And yet I found that through the monotony of the jobs I was in and my lack of experience, I just didn't have the tools or capacity to start making that change. Right. And that's, you know, that's a that's a place where most of us are in the ordinary world where everything seems pretty ordinary. You look around, you know, people are somewhat satisfied, but deep down they're not. And 
you don't know, you don't really have the the tools when you just graduated from college and you just don't really know what you love yet or just what could be and it's hot, it's very difficult to know which direction to move in until maybe unless you're really called to something and we'll, we'll get into that step um yeah so- and i think an important thing to note here is that the ordinary world is exactly what school and your parents and society prepare you for like that is the mold that you're supposed to fit into and so that's where everyone starts and it's not a thing to beat yourself up about or to be upset with that you're there that is literally the normal standard and the almost like success measure of if you went through school well and you got a good job and all that how how yeah how well do you fit into the ordinary world yeah you hit all the marks and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> but this is, you know, if you really want to live the unordinary life, which I think all of us do, but we don't know how. And before we jump over to you and hear about your ordinary world, I think I would challenge that statement that everyone wants to live in unnormal or extraordinary life. I think there are some people who are really drawn to these alternative stories of success where it's the travel the world, start your own thing, entrepreneurial journey. And then there's other people who like their dream is to be a CFO. Like that's what I wanted. I wanted to just work my way up the corporate ladder at first. Mm -hmm. So it's not for everyone. The Dare to Dream podcast is not for everyone. And that's what makes it beautiful. True. I'd also challenge that the you can live an unordinary life in the ordinary world. You could be Mm. a CFO and and go on your own hero's journey just to overcome internal struggles of being a better dad or better brother, family man, sister, just better friend, better person in your community. It's, you don't have to, has nothing to do with traveling even. Like you don't have to go anywhere. It's probably mostly internal that we're all striving to overcome. Yes. I love that. Or not. That's a, that's a really good point. I would say, the hero's journey is almost entirely turning inward. Yes. Got those demons. <laughs> so so where were you? What did your ordinary world look like? Yeah. So, you know, I studied journalism um, in college and didn't love news reporting. Like I didn't really know what to do when I graduated because I knew I didn't want to be a news reporting or have like anything to do with the news or writing kind of stories in that way. And so I started just doing kind of sales jobs, like working in a clothing store. I've always wanted to do something creative. So like I tried interior design, um, just like internship. And then I got into real estate with one of my best friends, Mo Half. His father's a legend, John Hathorne, West West Side Closer (laughs) in Los Angeles. And two years, I mean, we're having a ball, like working with my best friend. It was amazing. And... But I was definitely being called something else. Like when I would travel, I knew that that made me happier than anything. And started writing just poetry and kind of creative writing about not knowing what to do with my life, like not knowing what path to take. And I just remember distinctively, that's a word, sitting in Malibu, like on this cliff and just looking out and wrote up a first poem just about uncertainty and not knowing which direction to go in and feeling drawn to something and just having no clue what to do and so worked in real estate for two years and I got scared when like older people in the real estate game because when you're in it you know for back in the day you'd be in it for till you die like there's so many people who are just just because it's it's a business where you can put in as much as you want like you don't have to be hit at the nine to five every day. If you're successful, you could just kind of sit back and do as much as you want. And people were just talking about, you know, you're building your career. You're just at the foundation. And if you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life, you have to like, you have to grow. You have to kind of set the seeds for a lifetime of growth. And that just scared the shit out of me. I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this forever. And like, I don't want to put effort into building the foundation of a business where I I know I want to go elsewhere. I just don't know what to do. 
you know, we're having fun living in LA, having a great time, but that important thing, your career, your job, the thing that, you know, you want to be creating, my foundation was shaky. Like I, it just was not holding me up. And I knew that like, I wanted to put in serious time doing something else. And in the time, like when I was supposed to be doing other stuff, I was working on my website just for fun. I was starting to write stories just after work and stuff when, you know, could have been prospecting or whatever. And uh, so that was the ordinary world. Something always scared me too about being a writer, like a creative writer. I just didn't know, I didn't feel validated. Like in college, I never felt like I was a great writer. Like never did well in high school, English or anything. And in journalism, decent. Like, you know, I had my moments, but it was never, I never felt a real calling to it. And I just realized that's because I wasn't writing about things I enjoyed. Um, so I was just like, if even if I did want to be like a travel writer, like how how am I going to do it? Like, I have no experience. I just like to travel and I just like to write. I'm slowly discovering that, but that's where I was. Yeah. Two things that really stand out to me in your share is that you were looking around at the air quotes, successful people in that industry that you were in and realizing that you didn't want their life. That I had a very similar experience where I was working at a company and I looked at the CEO, you know, the, the top dog. And I realized I did not want his life. Like there was nothing about that that I wanted. <laughs> so that's when I started to realize that the future I was currently aimed at was the wrong future. Even as high as you could go, wouldn't make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. And then the other part that really stood out is the self-doubt that I think all of us have in the beginning of who am I to do something else? Who am I to live this big adventure or do something different? Because we either don't see our skill or maybe we don't even have those skills yet. Those are going to come down the road when mm-hmm. we choose what path we want to start walking down and see see what happens. For sure. For sure. All right, bud. So this is the ordinary world. There's the internal struggles. There's the external struggles we're battling against. You kind of, you're comfortable, but you're getting by. That's where most of us are. Second step is the call to adventure. Tell us. Yes. Yes. You were there for the call to adventure. Oh, yeah. This is one of the most clear and vivid memories I have. I always wanted that lightning bolt moment where I suddenly knew what I wanted to do with my life. And (laughs) that did not happen. What instead (laughs) happened was the lightning bolt punch in the face of, holy shit. I'm living a life that is not my own. And you've heard this story. I'll make it really short. We were in Tokyo. We had just been out on the town for a wild night of karaoke. And the next morning I woke up violently hungover. I was such a mess. I was a shell of a human. I crawled to the (laughs) cafe of the hostel we were staying at. And the entire day I just sat there. I was drinking green tea, trying to piece myself back together. And I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast. And on this podcast, he talked about this woman named Bronnie Ware, a best-selling author who wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. She worked as a palliative care nurse, taking care of people as they were dying, and interviewed 500 of her patients about what their biggest regrets were on their deathbed. And when I heard these words that the number one regret people have at the end of their life is, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expect of me. That's when I just got punched in the face because I realized that everything I was doing from the job I was working to certain behaviors I was engaging in, like none of it was me and what I wanted to do. It was all this mask I was wearing. And so the call to adventure came through being brutally confronted with my inauthenticity and the fakeness of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it was like a call to live the life that was true to myself. And it wasn't it wasn't all sunshine and butterflies. It was definitely a harrowing experience <laughs> that was quite terrible at the time. But 
that is, I think, part of the call to adventure. It's not always a fun call to adventure. Sometimes it's a wake up call to adventure. Yeah, great point. Probably mostly. There's a green tea tornado just came in and swept you off your feet. Yeah. Destruction. So yeah, there's the, what were the stakes there? So like, tell us about what would have happened if you were to not heed the call? Great question. The stakes were settling. It was settling for a life that wasn't my own, getting to the end of my own life and realizing that I had been living solely for other people. Their expectations were calling the shots, not what I cared about and my passions. And I mean, really, it was just living an entirely false life Mm -hmm. and never getting to realize my own potential and become the person that I was meant to be. And in that in that Tokyo cafe, what did did you make a decision there or were you just like, wow? Yeah, I made a decision that I was going to quit my job in finance. And this was probably bigger for me personally at the time. That's when I made the decision that morning. It was November, late November of 2019. I made the decision that I was going to go all of 2020 without drinking alcohol. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna do a year of sobriety and dry the rash up. decision. <laughs> the, the dry up in one big karaoke night. Yeah. Gift that keeps on giving. So that was me. That was the call to adventure. What about you? Beautiful. My dear friend. Dear boy. Well, the, it was that was 2019. Yeah, it was COVID. Um beginning of COVID, moved back in with my mother in Malibu. I was living in West LA, but like you couldn't, just didn't want to be in an apartment. And um, I was, so we were working remote. I was like just waning off from real estate. I'm like, okay, if you don't have to go in, like, you know, it's kind of fizzling a bit, not putting that much effort in. I'm just like, just writing up a storm, just about life. And um, I was there and I just realized, I'm like, wow. Okay, I'm really feeling, it's been like a couple of years since, you know, I was started just to think about this. Like everything in my life, I feel like, not everything, but maybe everything. Um, it's been this just kind of snowball effect of learning about who I, the person I am. And it's kind of all culminated in these steps that really seem pretty wild to me, but it kind of all came together. Um, learned that my like great grandma was a novelist and I like, read both of her books just like really quickly beginning of COVID and just like, wow, that's amazing. Like truly enjoyed them about like 1700s and I was just reading a ton really just like during COVID passion for reading just exploded and, um, just learning and read my great grandpa's, uh, autobiography Max Lerner on my mom's side. So I just discovered that like both, like my mom's side is writers and I got like really involved in that and it's really interested. And I was just writing like essays about them and just my life and just started just writing about everything. And I was like, wow, okay. And we we started talking about, you know, this sort of stuff. It's being in COVID and what's going to happen. I think I wanted to move to San Diego at this point. Was this already? Yeah, we were like, talking about it. Yeah, I think so. Before that, and just had a great time and wanted to shake things up. And uh, like, if I'm going to do this, like now is the time. I no reason not to. I know I don't want to be in real estate anymore and definitely being called to give writing a go. Still didn't know what that meant, but I was going to start by taking writing on Medium like really seriously to like become a blogger. And um, it was, so the refusal of the call is the next, is the next uh, step here. And it's kind of blends into it. But I just was so nervous to to quit and like tell Morgan and his dad that I couldn't do it anymore and I want to do something else. And I was just for days, I was just like depressed and sick because I just hate disappointing people. Like I've always had that where just if I'm like, it just makes me sick getting over it. I was like, well, I, I mean, still have that, but I was just shell of myself. I just knew I had to do this, but 
could not get myself to do it. And so I was refusing the call, even though like it was making me sick, just the, you know, being torn in both directions. And um, I just realized it was time. It was time. Had the conversation with them. I was crying a bit, but it was, you know, tears of joy. And they were so supportive. And then it was go time. Um, time to embark. Yeah. What stands out is how supportive they were of you when in your head you were probably thinking oh my gosh they're gonna hate me catastrophizing what was gonna happen next big time it's always smaller than we think it's gonna be <laughs> people's reactions and you know there's definitely gonna be that's not gonna be everybody there's obviously gonna be backlash and people are gonna wonder what you're doing and think you're crazy but it always i think that things always turn out for the best blow over with time and you gotta do it's right for yourself for sure yeah. And people who really support and love you and want you to be happy, they if you express that you're miserable with what you're currently doing, they're going to be excited that you have a path forward and that there's another option. 100%. And this is where it gets good. You're going to once you make that take that step, make it and take it. You're going to start meeting the people who are going to lift you up, mentors, things start rolling once you put your energy out there in that direction. Yeah. And for me, the refusal of the call was very similar to you. It was just months of anguishing in that decision. Do I quit? Do I not quit? It was a battle between my heart and my head. It was my mind saying, you know, it's COVID. You didn't get laid off. You still have a job. You should be grateful for it. And then my like heart and soul being like, fuck this job. We hate what we're doing. Like, I want to live a big life. I can't look at this goddamn spreadsheet anymore. Otherwise, I'm going to kill myself. Um, not actually, that's a little deep. Um, but like, it was literally just this back and forth between, oh, you should be so grateful you have a job and it's really not that bad to what are we doing with our life? This is insane. Like, just quit, just quit, please quit. And yeah, that that back and forth between the two. And it wasn't until I met the mentor which is step four of the hero's journey that things started to change they started to really shake up yeah shake and bake that's right tell us about it yeah and so this is i think a, a really interesting part is that the mentor meeting the mentor doesn't need to happen physically it doesn't need to be someone right. who actually knows you you just need to know them and it came about in my life as an online course an online course that was normally a couple hundred dollars was being offered for $1 during COVID because everyone was experiencing hardship. And this course was called Go For Your Win. It was created and hosted by Aubrey Marcus, who's been a huge mentor, inspiration in my life. And I started this in March of 2020. And like March, April, May... I used this course and what I was learning in it and the community I was building through the group. It was a part of it. It was like thousands of people from all over the world doing this course together. And that gave me the fuel, the confidence, the courage, and an idea of what I wanted to do. And that allowed me to quit my job. So that was your meeting of the mentor. And like you're saying, it doesn't have to be a physical mentor. Like I've honestly never really had like a, a writing mentor um, who I met in person. This is where it gets interesting. So books could be the best mentors like Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life, Beyond Order. Those books really set the foundation of just becoming a, really, he is all about embarking on a hero's journey. Like, you know, facing the call to adventure and facing chaos. Um, Mastery by Robert Greene was extraordinary. And I just want to read um, a quote from that. It's quite lengthy, so buckle up. At your birth, a seed is planted. That seed is your uniqueness. It wants to grow, transform itself, and flower to its full potential. It has a natural, assertive energy to it. Your life's task is to bring that seed to flower, to express your uniqueness through your work. You have a destiny to fulfill. The stronger you feel and maintain it as a force, a voice, or in whatever form, 
the greater your chance for fulfilling this life's task and achieving mastery. What weakens this force, what makes you not feel it or even doubt its existence is the, to, is the degree to which you have succumbed to another force in life, social pressures to conform. This counterforce can be very powerful. You want to fit into a group. Unconsciously, you might feel that what makes you different is embarrassing or painful. Your parents often act as a counterforce as well. They may seek to direct you in a career path that is lucrative and comfortable. If these counterforce become forces become strong enough, you can lose complete contact with your uniqueness, who you really are. Your inclinations and desires become modeled on those of others. This can set you off on a very dangerous path. You end up choosing a career that does not really suit you. Your desire and interest slowly wane and your work suffers for it. You come to see pleasure and fulfillment as something that comes from outside of your work. You've broken contact with your destiny as formed at birth. And that's interesting. What just came up for me is you see pleasure and fulfillment as something that comes from outside of your work. And a big just mindset shift was, and something that I was grappling with was how, how am I spending the entire day, you know, creating a business where you're also expected to work. This is in real estate outside of the nine to five. It's a 24 hour job, which really got to me as well. Like I having the no shut off was not my style. It's not like that. And even if, you know, even if you're not making money for a long time, even if, your work is considered the thing that's not making your money, which which is kind of is for me. That thing, I mean, if you're putting all you have into it, should give you a sense of fulfillment, even if people don't recognize it or see it as what you do. So the big moment for me was meeting the mentor was the books and just reading a ton about history and about writing and um, but also I started my master's degree in creative writing and one of my mom's friends was like, he should get his master's like online during this. And that just can't believe I did it because it, it inspired me to write a book, Heirs of Youth. And in my first class, uh, writer's workshop, it's in the book, <laughs> which I have here, uh, the whole like telling my story and just the inspiration never met the professor or anything and he literally changed my life he at the end of the course like his final comment from the wise sage it's like if you and it was beginning of covid if you can write well through this time you can write well through anything the time has come to write your own story as you see it now and that was just it blew the top off of the whole operation because like wow i don't need like a ton of life experience to be a good writer. I don't even need any experience like journalism or anything. Write your story as you see it now, as you see the world right now. It doesn't have to be perfect world. We could be in COVID and this is the world that I live in, that we all live in. And that inspired me to just give it everything I had. So I started on my master's and that was huge mentorship, just the whole process. Um, I started a medium mastery course, Tom Kugler on medium pretty much that you got to, you know, be posting every day and how to grow following on medium and do that. And then serendipitously, I met this, this old man um, just walking. It was like the most chaotic time beginning of COVID. There's barbarism in Los Angeles. People were pillaging the streets in like Santa Monica where, you know, hang out and grew up like, like nothing you've ever seen just rioting and looting and, it seemed like the world was on fire and I went for a walk like through point doom and just this old man, Alfred was just like sitting out looking at the sunset. And I was just like going to walk past him, Just like so much going on in my head. I'm like, you know what? It's like, say hi to this man, get in this conversation. And it was like, we were kindred souls from different times. Like I was this young aspiring student and he was just this old sage and we just talked about writing, about philosophy. And he pretty much told me to like get your credentials and actually like take it seriously. And, um, you know, I just learned from that moment. It was like, wow, he's this old New Yorker. He's seen a bunch of like, he's seen a lot of life. And 
if you could just be here appreciating the sunset like at such a crazy time trying to even know if he's aware of but anyway it just brought everything to perspective like you know might as well go for it take his advice get go St. Mark like this is the time when when everything around you seems to be crumbling that's the time to go yeah <laughs> time kinda, to go. yeah it's always been definitely a lot from books like we both love philosophy and just learning from the greats and i mean parents are definitely amazing mentors as well they've they've done creative work and inspired me and supported me every step of the way so that's been huge also yeah and i think one thing about the meeting of the mentor that is interesting is that just because you take inspiration from a mentor doesn't mean that you have to agree with every book they've ever written or every political view they hold like for, sure. for me that that quote from mastery that you read that passage is amazing and i love that and yet other parts of robert green's literature just really grind my gears and seem <laughs> way too machiavellian for me yeah and someone like jordan peterson i love that man like he has given me so much fuel and inspiration and tools on my journey one of our favorite quotes is you accrue incremental wisdom as you implement your flawed plan that's from him and i love his lectures and his teachings and his emphasis on the hero's journey and yet he has some pretty conservative views that i don't agree with and so you can you can pick and choose and pull from different people in your life to piece together your own like ideal mentor that you're learning from i don't think it has to be one person that you fully accept and agree with everything they say for sure i think uh maybe less and less it's becoming like you need to find like you know this is in like tim fair i don't even know what's from but the third door like this book uh, alex benai and it's like, like you have to find your mentor where, like you're gonna be glued to them and go on like the exact same journey like the shadow first of all most mentors aren't willing to take on like a mentee if they think that's what it's going to be like it i mean from what i've read so i've never had a mentor like that where it's like this is who i want to be and this is i would follow every word it's take bits and pieces from people you look up to and yeah you definitely don't have to agree with everything um obviously we're very different people grew up in different times and there's lots of wisdom to be found in people who have been there before but also you got to pave your own way. Yes, absolutely. So we at, so this is crossing threshold, crossing the threshold. So you found your mentor and yes, I'd say we're at this point. Yeah. Step five. You're, you're embarking. I'm embarking. This was the crossing of the threshold for me. Like that big moment was quitting my job. It was quitting my job without knowing exactly what I wanted to do next. The course Go For Your Win gave me the courage and the fuel to do it. And I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do next, but I did know that it was going to involve helping other people. It was going to involve personal development, self-improvement, all the stuff that had fired me up and I had been doing kind of on the side. Mm. So this is a really big moment in my story because I remember telling my dad who's this logical rational pretty risk averse human <laughs> that 50% of my plan was to have no plan I had been very risk averse myself my whole life like very careful and calculated and I just had this feeling this this deep inner knowing coming from my heart and my soul that was I was going to be okay I needed to do this and if I was willing to cross that threshold and voluntary, voluntarily put myself in the unknown, that everything was going to work out and be okay. And I think I'll leave it there and then kind of tie in the crazy serendipitous things that started happening in the next step. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, you know, as the Buddha once said, fear does not prevent death. It prevents life. Mm, so true. Yes, it will. When you take that step, I believe the universe is in your favor. You know, it's like it. Um, the last like few weeks since I've been home, I've just kind of it's 
blowing my mind a bit. I thought like everything's happening so fast and I'm back from like this European excursion and like moving to Japan in a month and like I'm just trying to piece it all together and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the next step, you know, I'm so excited, but I really do not know. All I know is it's going to be okay. Like no matter what happens when you're in that unknown, things will work out. Gonna be hard. Like there'll of course be difficult moments and it already has been, but it always gets better. So you gotta trust yourself and trust that things will work out. When was crossing the threshold for you? That was quitting your real estate job. Yeah, I would say quitting. Um going full into writing, beginning of COVID. And then, yeah, moving to San Diego was kind of like new start sort of thing, starting the podcast with you. And that was, I wrote, I mean, kind of random different thing, but um, yeah, moving to San Diego, starting the podcast, that was like, okay, there's no going back. Everything I do, and I've had jobs like since then, but everything I do is going to go towards like fueling this, you know, passions, desire to somehow make this my life and career and things are it'll take time. Like, you know, do the work that you want to do when nobody's watching. That's like what it comes down to, especially with writing. It's what are you actually doing when you're not getting noticed and clapped for? And is it something that you actually want to be doing or are you doing it because you think some outcome is going to change the way you feel now? Or, um, it's pretty much, it was giving myself to something that really filled me up intrinsically no matter if anybody ever saw anything or if i ever even make it it's i know this is giving me more fulfillment and satisfaction than anything else and and meaning and it's because i'm on the journey that it's kind of like you know i don't even know what i'm going with there but it's because i'm on the journey that like i'm finding meaning like you know just being when you're on it everything will kind of start to make sense just to you, maybe not to everybody else, or maybe it won't make sense. What I'm saying now doesn't make much sense. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm taking from all that is that you have to be on the path for certain things to happen. Mm-hmm. If you're refusing the call and you're not crossing that threshold, there are certain things that could have happened that will never happen because you aren't putting yourself in that space of all of the potentials happening for sure yeah it's kind of just a no going back mentality and you just your whole being will change like you became a new person but you know it's who you've always been and same thing with me like we're just becoming better versions not better more authentic versions of ourselves in this yeah and wow what you just said there i think leads perfectly into step six which is tests allies and enemies and Mm. This idea of you have to cross that threshold and put yourself out there for things to happen. I have a story for this, but Please. part of crossing the threshold that we that you briefly mentioned was yeah, us starting this podcast. It was I still remember the call. You called me and you were saying you wanted to quit your job. I was saying I wanted to quit my job, and we were like, okay, let's do it and let's create a podcast around like what happens next, where we document the journey, we talk about everything that's going on. And that was a crossing of the threshold for us because not only were we committing to leaving our corporate life, but we were going to like create something to talk about it and hold each other accountable. And the story I want to tell about things happening because I crossed that threshold, one of the biggest allies in my life right now, someone who I definitely think of as a mentor, he refused to be my mentor when I first asked him is Dane Sanders, who we mentioned earlier in the episode, but I was connected to him because we had a podcast called the dare to dream podcast. And he's the CEO of a company called tell me your dreams and a girl from college who I hadn't spoken to in years, randomly connected us via email and was like, Hey, I think you guys should meet each other. You guys are both interested in dreams and (laughs) That was the only reason I met him and he has become such a big part of my life. And so that really just emphasizes the fact that you have to take that first step. You have to start the journey for these 
crazy serendipitous things to happen and come together. Exactly. You can't imagine what's going to happen. Like you can't expect it or imagine it. You just got to go. Absolutely. Think about and, how things are going to work out. You just get stuck. Yeah. And another, another huge ally that has played such a foundational part in my story and my journey was Tim, who I met. I met Tim because I had met my mentor through the go for your win course. So I'm in this go for your win course. There's people from all over the world participating in this. And Tim wasn't in that course, but there was a woman named Sabrina in that course who read an article I posted. She was doing something else on the side, which was a coaching program and read the article I posted, thought of this guy named Tim in this coaching program she was doing, thought of me and connected us. So there are two instances where I got connected to people who played a huge role in my life. I ended up starting the nonprofit with Tim and that was such a big foundational part of my beginning. Both of those instances, meeting Tim, meeting Dane, I had nothing to do with. It was completely serendipitous and it only happened because I crossed that threshold and I stepped into the unknown. That's wild. I mean, yeah, the fact that Dane, and we should link to the episode with him because that was one of my favorites. You met him through like starting this podcast. Yeah. It's when you, you know, when you follow your heart, put it out there, you start to get connected. The stars will align. That's when the crazy things happen. But yeah, it's beautiful. So a test allies, enemies, of course, we're going to face a lot of them. This is, I'd say this is where I am now, you know, obviously you are my biggest ally. Don't know how, get through this without you, <laughs> the highs and the lows, but we're on it together. And if you could find somebody, you know, he could really trust. And when you break, when you break down, help you get back up. It is everything. Love you, buddy. <laughs> oh, I love you too. I'm, I'm feeling guilty that I didn't specifically call you out yet as an ally, but you have been, you've been there since day one. I mean, you have been my rock, my foundation. They're going to be a wedding vows. These, these are my wedding vows. This is me proposing, <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah, like that, honestly, if if I have advice to give, it would be find someone to go on the adventure with. And you don't necessarily need to go together. You can both be doing your own adventures, but you need someone there to console you when you are in pieces, someone to put you back together again. For sure. Share the experience because it's, it's, it's scary. It's intimidating. And kind of by definition, it's non-ordinary because you're leading right. the ordinary world. So you're going to be by yourself at times and having someone to lean on is essential. For sure. So I think the innermost cave, that is the next thing. And I don't know if I've reached that yet. What about you? So I didn't really speak to many tests. I'll just speak to that briefly and then answer your question. I think a, hu- a huge test for me in, in step six was starting the nonprofit with Tim, doing that for a year and a half, like having this great thing that was helping kids and everyone was proud of me. And it felt like it felt like I had been successful in my shift from the corporate world to now, oh, I'm a nonprofit co-founder and I'm making the world a better place. The test there was I ended up being pretty miserable at the end. I was working too much. I was in San Diego. Our company was in Houston. I was barely seeing the students that we were helping. I was just burning out. And the test was, okay, here we are again, working too much, sad, like not liking what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Am I going to settle here or am I going to kind of, it felt like at the time, like throw it all away and start over again. And luckily that's, that's what I did. I, I realigned, I realized that I loved the coaching aspect of what we were doing, not necessarily the nonprofit management piece. And I told myself, all right, like we've been here before. We know what to do. It's time to realign and step away from that. And that was, I'd say that was one of the biggest tests I've faced is just making another shift. For sure. The decision to, yeah, exactly. Like, what is it? The uh, sunk cost fallacy when you think I can't leave this because I put in so much time and effort into it already. Yeah. You stay with it for the rest of your life and just keep spiraling. It's that was 
purely, I mean, it was an amazing thing you were doing and it was purely a learning experience. And the biggest test was being able to step away from it to start something else. Like that was huge. And so you passed. It's a great work, but you knew when it was, you knew when enough was enough and definitely put in your time. And um, yeah, I'd say a test for me right now is just like, you know, I'm still, we both are not like, are not making money that sustaining us in our jobs. Like, you know, we're figuring it out as well. And um, it's just still finding peace in that, that things are going to work out and not knowing how it's going to happen exactly, but still following intuition, like this European just volunteering. And I learned just about who I am being out there and like realizing that. So I was in Europe for three and a half months. I um, just worked at a hostel in Lisbon for two months. Sure, you listened to those episodes of Dare to Dream because they were riveting. And uh, then I was on a farm in Calabria, Italy for three weeks. And that was so life-changing, just realizing how important it is to get your hands dirty and spend time in nature. Maybe not for everybody, but I realized how important it is to for me and just to be able to connect with the world. And even if, like, like we were saying, this whole hero's journey doesn't even have to be for work or it could just be a soul searching expedition to discover who you really are and why you're on planet earth and what you want to do. And I learned a lot about that just being on the farm in nature with not a whole lot to do, but right. And just kill cactus and battle myself. It was great. (laughs) I think that's a really good point is that, all 12 steps of the hero's journey could be done entirely. It might not look like on the surface anything is happening, but you could go through the entire 12 steps of the hero's journey uh, internally and you know mm-hmm. keep the same job, keep doing all the same stuff. It doesn't necessarily, your outer world doesn't necessarily need to change, but your inner world is where the battles are being fought and won. That's right. Another like, so self-publishing errors of youth, that was like, you know, write the book. You you did it as a writer. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Nothing changed, of course. I mean, you know, a little, little bit just like I made me believe that I could do it. Like it was just a thing for me more than anything else. Like, you know, I'm not making like a slightly more money from proceeds, but nothing really changes when you hit these milestones. And that if you're not doing the thing you're doing because it sincerely gives you something that you need to live like it's life-giving it's not life-taking then it's just not going to be sustain sustainable for the long haul and it was just a thing for me if i needed to get this story out and it's definitely i remember calling you many of time which was just so frustrated with like putting the book together and and as all part like that is the place you want to be it feels to actually have like a question that you're trying to answer or just like to actually be pursuing something that's meaningful is such a gift. And if you can find that thing, don't take it for granted. And just that is where you want to be. When you get to the end of the line, you know what you're all just going to be thinking what's next. And that's a good thing, but it's, uh, it's about finding the life within you that is sustaining and, it's just inspirational fuel for the ups and downs. <laughs> that's a theme that's becoming more and more apparent. The deeper I get into my own journey is that you have to have that passion and desire to do it regardless of the outcome. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just going to burn yourself out. If you're only doing something to try and achieve that end goal and it's not intrinsically motivating, you're you're screwed because there's people out there who are intrinsically motivated to do the same thing you're doing and they are going to beat you. They're going to outcompete you. And what you mentioned really resonated with me of like you wrote the book and not that much changed. I mean, I obviously liked you a lot more after you wrote the book. <laughs> I didn't really like you before. He's an author. Yeah. If I would go out, you'd say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and for me, that resonates a lot because I finally got to the point where I and paying all of my like rent and expenses with coaching revenue. And yet the moment that happened, 
instead of celebrating that I hit that goal that I had set for myself, I immediately shifted into almost, maybe this was my approach to the inmost cave. Uh, it's probably not the biggest cave I'm approaching, but <laughs> it immediately went to like, okay, I did this once. Can I do it again? And it was honestly this kind of spiral of like, I'm not good enough, which is wild to think about that like, hitting my goal would cause me to spiral because as soon as I hit that goal, I was like, okay, great. Like I'm breaking even. And then I just started spiraling like, okay, I can't just break even forever. Like what if I can't ever make more than this? Mm -hmm. And then I immediately shifted the goalpost to like, oh, now I need to do this much more. And yeah, not a lot, not a lot changed when that happened besides the fact that I started panicking. And that is just, it speaks to why it's so important to be intrinsically motivated and passionate about what you're doing mm -hmm. it brings to mind the story of ryan holiday he i think it was one of his first books he finally made it to number one on the new york times bestseller sellers list and he tells the story he's like yeah i was i was mowing my lawn and i got a call and it was my agent saying you did it you're number one on the new york times bestselling list and he's like it was great like i was excited for like a couple minutes and then you know i hung up the phone and then I went back to mowing my lawn. There we go. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. It's it's the journey, baby. Journey is everything. We love it. So the innermost cave. So we've settled that score. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm I'm grappling with that now for sure. It's like the ups and yeah. downs of. Can I do this? Is this is this really going to work out? Mm. Um especially like we're both kind of trying to do things that are really hard. I'm trying to be a coach. There's millions of coaches in the world. You're trying to be a writer. Not... Every, everyone knows how hard it is to be a writer. No writers. And so, yeah, I, I would caveat with, I think I've reached the the smallest, tiniest innermost cave that is a false summit. And the larger <laughs> one is out there ready to devour me in the future. But I will, I will, I will face be your it. torch. I will be your torch. It'll be mine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, for me, it's like, I'm just thinking, so pretty much I have this book that's way to be written about Europe and it's just daunting as all hell. Like I haven't really touched it yet since I've been home. I'm very nervous. I only know, like, it's just a big pro. Like, I'm just like, damn, can I do that again? Like everything I put into the first book, that's one thing. And then, Moving to Japan, I, I've just been, you know, having fun here and getting things done. And it's like, I know I have to do this and I'm so excited, but it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary just like missing my friends, family, just being out there. And that's really going to feel like crossing the threshold, but I just have no clue what's going to happen. And that is all part of the journey. It's It's exciting. Yeah. And it's iterative. Like you're, you're going back, right. To cross another threshold and yeah. then you're going to face new tests and enemies and meet allies. I guess we didn't talk about any enemies we've made along the way. <laughs> we made a few, made a few for sure. But what I would say to you is that fear of writing that second book, that's mm. a cave. And as Joseph Campbell says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. That's right. And I mean, I was just, just looking through like what I, cause I pretty much have like every day in detail and just looking through, it just, I get like chills, like, wow, that just little story right there. Like there's so much that I want to write. That's like why it's daunting. Um, but yeah, of course, just going to jump into it and it's going to be in Japan. I'll be right around Japan and I have no clue how that's going to look, but it's going to be fascinating. I'm but, so excited to see that. I think the question I want to ask you as we wrap up here is what is behind that fear? I mean, obviously it's daunting. It's a Herculean task to yeah. combine all of these journal entries and experiences into a story. But if you had to get to the root of the fear, what do you think is there? Great question. A lot of things. Like first that I don't know what kind of book it really is yet. Obviously, I haven't started yet, but like, I'm like, is it just everything? Is it just a, just this adventure story? Is it like, like I just don't know what it's going to be until I start putting the pieces together. And that is daunting. 
Um, secondly, I have this, I just don't really know where to begin because this is what I had when I was writing Heirs of Youth. Like I want to be consistent with like blogging and stuff, but what gets more importance? Um, you know, it's not really fear, but just can't really get over that hurdle. Like, do I, am I, I going to be publishing like every chapter as I write it or how do you play that card? Um, of course, is it going to be good? Is anyone going to want to read this? Like, what am I even writing it for? It's just a kid, a kid who went to Europe for three months and just had fun. Like, you know, what's the point? But I know, I know there's a story there and it is needing to be told because it is funny and relatable and it's a big part of my life yeah plus i'm gonna like you a lot more once you've written two books <laughs> two books <laughs> this is my buddy he's written two uh, books he's great oh well bud we'll just you know hammer out the rest of the hero's journey um just to tell you what comes next but there's the ordeal which is i imagine you're in the, you cross the threshold, you are in the other land, you are a Jedi at this point, and you face the ultimate test, Darth Vader, what have you. And of course, you defeat the bad guy, you exit the cave with the reward. This is important. The reward is what you learn from living an unordinary life. It's the wisdom gleaned from getting out there and overcoming the fear and you bring that reward back to your ordinary world. Mm -hmm. Yet there are also challenges along the way. It's not an easy return. Reassimilating for me, I imagine just one of the many problems that I'll face coming back from Japan and not knowing what the hell I'm going to do. If this, if that's the way it goes, just like being in the United States and just, I could see myself going into a depression of like, I have no clue what to do now. I don't know what country to live in. I don't know who I am anymore. Um, didn't get anything done out there. That's just, you know, that's a internal battle that there's always problems coming back home. But then there's the resurrection, second birth. You rediscover your love for life and you look back on everything that happened. And so like you're saying, it's iterative and this is all kind of a, inflow outflow situation <laughs> but the hero returns with some sort of elixir to give to the people so the journey is worth nothing if not shared if not you know you got to return with something you've 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 done something out there and it has to be for more than just yourself pretty much i, I think that's it Mark nuts. <laughs> i think that's perfect and the resurrection, like part of that is you think you're you think you're past all the bad guys and the scariness, and yet the resurrection is also your final kind of dance with death as well. And yes. it's it's a journey that keeps happening over and over again in different ways and different shapes with different people. Precisely, my friend. The resurrection could be the most important part. Because that's the thing, no matter how many times you get knocked down. You got to keep getting back up, face that cave again, enter that thing, <laughs> come out battered and bruised and smiling, crying. Yeah. Do it. And I think the Do only, it. I think the only thing I know for sure is that you are going to be there as my, my rock for every time I enter the cave and come out in pieces. That's right, buddy. I'm just going to just carry a stone in your pocket whenever <laughs> you feel down. <laughs> Way down metaphorically and physically, you think of me. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, <laughs> before we get too uh, lovey and emotional, we will end the episode there. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in with us today. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Anything else we want to leave you with? I hope this inspired you to embark. What's the first thing you got to do? What's the first thing you got to do? Is it notice the ordinary world around you and what can change? Have you already been called to adventure and you haven't answered the call? That's where most people would say are stuck. You know, there's something inside of you. Don't know where to go. Fear does not prevent death. It prevents life. Buddha. All right, y'all. Love ya.